Keeping up with the Joneses. And we're back. Yes, we are. And baby, I have missed sitting opposite you on a Sunday night with a microphone partially obscuring your face. <laughs> Thanks, darling. <laughs> <laughs> How the heck are you? I haven't seen you in like two months. Well, you have, though, because we live together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to connect with our audience oh, oh. who haven't heard from us since July. Yes. Well, I didn't want them to think that you hadn't actually seen me since they hadn't heard my voice. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're the Joneses. I'm Alan. I'm AJ. And we host this podcast called Keeping Up With The Joneses. We had a break for the summer, but now we're back excited to be in your ears once again, which sounds super creepy. I apologize. It really does. At this point, we normally do our weekly catch-up, but given it's kind of like a more more like a two-monthly catch-up. So give us an overview of what's happened since July. Well, I just went to Canada. Should we work backwards? You can do it any which way you want. Okay. Well, that would be easier. Uh, I just went to Canada. My mom fell over and uh, broke the top part of her femur. And so they sawed it off and put on a new ball part. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> disgusting. So gross. And uh, so she's, uh, she's currently in a rehab hospital and they're trying to get her walking again. Uh, but I know that she'll, she'll do great because she's not the sitting around type. So. It's also her second time around, so she's she's getting better at recovering from having a broken hip. Yes. Well, the last time she broke her femur a little bit further down, so it just had a plate and screws. This one was a little bit. It was a half hip replacement because her pelvis was fine. Oh, ah, look great. at that. Glorious. Just the type of stuff we tune in for. Woo-hoo! You had a major milestone in Zelda. I did. I have 100%ed the game. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I... Uh... This from a woman who hates video games and Zelda in particular. Yeah, I did. I did. But, you know, it took me, what, 10 months? Yeah, we started in January. $60 for 10 months of gameplay is pretty impressive. That is pretty awesome. So are you going to do Master Mode? No. I am thinking about starting the whole game over again. Uh just in normal mode now that I understand the purpose of the game. Because I feel like when we started playing, we had no idea None what Zelda was, whatsoever. what the purpose of anything was, why we would pick up. Like when when you start the game, you start on, on the Great Plateau. I had no idea I should be picking up all the food that I'm running by. Like I just didn't know anything. I didn't know to look for cork seeds. I didn't know any of that. So I just thought, oh, it might be really fun now with understanding the game to go back and play it and see what it feels like. You are becoming more and more attractive the longer you talk about Zelda. <laughs> be still, I, my beating I did heart. have the moment of I couldn't find, and we had podcast listeners that tried to send me some, you know, information about like, have you checked here for your last cork seed? Because I had one that I couldn't find. It took me like two weeks. Yeah, I you think. collected eight hundred ninety-nine of the suckers, and the yeah. last one was evasive. Yeah, it was on Lake Halia. I was trying to remember, did we go on vacation this summer? And if so, where did we go? Because I have no recollection. Yeah, we did. We went to that um, water park in the Smokies. That's what we did. Yeah, that's right. We took the kids away to a water park and then we had a staycation to stuff around the home. Yes. There you go. That's a fast Painted and and all that kind of stuff. You did. You painted gloriously. Why won't you let me paint? Um, Because your attention to detail is somewhat lacking. Sorry, darling. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Because I let you paint before and you made a mess. What would you like me to say? (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who knows me, they might have a hard time believing that my attention to detail is lacking. let's say this. Your hand isn't as steady as your heart is. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 
This is a harsh reality. <laughs> Sorry about that, darling. So it's definitely my issue, not your control issues. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I've missed you. All right. So we did that. Yeah. We've been camping. And we have. We're about to go camping again. Yep. You're thinking about persuading me to get a pop-up. Explain what a pop-up is to people who've never Well, camped. just like a pop-up canopy. So... It means nothing. Well, it's, it's like a... Well, it's a canopy that you place over your picnic table or whatever so that you're not getting rained on while, no, you, while you eat. not that thing. The, oh. the thing at the campsite that people showed us that you drag behind you in a oh, car. Oh, oh. They call it a pop-up. A pop-up trailer. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're amazing. No, stop. So, here's your the enthusiasm thing. is okay, overwhelming me. So we can't have like an RV because we have no place to put it, right? And our and, homeowners association no. would freak out. But a pop-up we could just store in our garage because they fit in garages and then they fold out when you get there and there's like beds and a little kitchen. Some of them have little bathrooms in it. Like they, so you would be able to camp like in November or in February, March or whatever. It, they have heating and air conditioning in them. For our British listeners. Yes. They will understand this term. It's like a caravan that collapses. Yes. It's, it's yes. It Americans is. don't call them caravans, I don't think. No, they don't. But it's like about the size of a trailer that you'd pull behind a car. Yes. But on top of it is just this unfoldable, I guess, like tent-like material with ends and sides that pop out to give you space. Right. And it has a hard top on it and they have like little fridges in them. And I'm just I mean, not ready for this level of commitment. It's pure awesomeness. Yes, you are. You would love it because you, you love tent camping and knowing you, this is like... The next level for you. Still feels tenty, still feels campy, <laughs> but... Oh, babe. Yeah. I would rather skip this phase and just go straight to an RV. But where do we put the RV? Mm. Right. So this, way more practical, way less expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, good Lord, I'm speechless. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, it remains to be seen whether I'll be persuaded to get a, a pop-up. Um. But we're going camping again next week, so I don't know. Well, the fun part is when you go camping, I spy with my little eye all the other campers who are way more experienced than us, and it's like real life Pinterest. Like, like <laughs> it is. Everybody's campsite <laughs> is a board that you go to, and you're like, "Wow, that's that's amazing! That's I don't know amazing. you could do that, well, babe. We need tea lights, and we need more hammocks, and we need this." And so, the, I didn't realize this this whole subculture of. Uh, uh, basically an industry around camping. I know that's ridiculous for anybody who spent any time in something like REI. I didn't know REI existed uh, until... This is the saddest confession I yeah, think I've ever so heard. So, again, for people who don't know what REI is, it's basically an outdoor camping, outdoor hiking store. It's lovely. But you can go through there and there's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I would never even think that that was invented. So, yes, I'm all excited because there's new things to investigate. Last big event of the summer, we got a new car. Or I should say you got a new car. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> well, you you drive it a little well, bit. Yeah, when you let me. If, yeah. I, if I write, uh, you know, if I fill out the proper form and get town, permission. That and, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which works out well because I don't really care. I'm happy to cruise around in the minivan. Well, that's the deal. You said you didn't care. Really and I, don't. And I do. I care about everything. I care about engines. And it's just fun to drive something peppy that I can actually listen to music in. Which is lovely. Good. Yeah. Well, welcome back, everybody. We missed you. R- really, genuinely, totally missed you. Totally missed the routine of sitting down. Uh, are happy to be back. 
Love the whole process. I, I really, really appreciate all the text, tweets, Instagram posts, emails, etc. Going, are, have you guys forgotten about us? Are you coming yeah, back? Yeah, thank you for those. Yeah, they were really, really sweet. Made us feel very, very loved. So thank you for those. Our topic for this week. Well, before we start our topic for this week, our whole idea, and in fact, we put out a little video that this was going to be season two, in that season one was 200 episodes. <laughs> Season two is not going to be 200 episodes. No. Well, the thing is, season two is probably not going to be season two because over the summer, just before the summer, Apple released a bunch of features for podcast people like ourselves where you could, you know, toggle buttons that say this is a new season. And I was like, that was cool. But to be honest, the documentation is so sparse. I'm not actually sure what will happen if I turn those on. So for now, we're just going to keep, I think this is episode 201. We're just going to keep on trucking. Okay. But we are going to start a kind of a series, a 10 episode series that we're calling Back to the Basics. AJ, explain to us the thinking behind Back to the Basics. Well, my thought was I would love to have a series of podcasts where if perhaps you're just joining us for the first time now and you're thinking, what do they believe? Like these people that I'm about to listen to, what is it that they believe? Uh, You'd get a good idea of what it is that we believe from the next 10 podcasts. But also, if you were a new believer... uh, you would get foundational things that would help you grow in your walk uh, in these 10 podcasts. So sort of like if I was going to direct someone to only 10, I could say, hey, go do, you know, starting at episode 201 and and go ahead and listen to the first 10 podcasts of that. Section. Yeah, we just thought if we could reduce living a fulfilling Christ-centered life to 10 things to implement in your life, what would they be? And we've come up with 10 things. And that's what we're going to spend the next 10 episodes talking about. Our very first topic that we picked is all about the Bible. Now, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, babe, which I know the answers to. And probably anybody who's listened to this understands the answers to. But I, I've, I've fallen more and more in love with foundational stuff. I think it's right to sit and remind ourselves of things we already know. But let me start with this. Why is it important to read the Bible And why is it important I'm even asking another Christian that question? Oh, good question. Why is it important? I think if you don't read the Bible, first of all, the Bible is life. It's like eating living food. So if you're not reading the Bible, you end up feeling really dull, basically in your Christian walk, because you're not taking something in that is full of life. Like as much as it's a book, it's a supernatural book, Mm -hmm. right? Also, if you don't actually read the Bible, then you won't actually know when you're hearing faulty theology. Ooh, say that again. Well, if you don't read the Bible yourself and you don't actually know what it says, then you can be fairly easily led astray and you can end up way down a road uh, before you ever know that that was never biblical to begin with. That's amazing. I I was teaching all about the Bible last week at our school, Supernatural Life, to our second year students, and I did a whole session on why the Bible can be trusted. And I was, I said, guys, it's alarming to me that now, like when I grew up, it was just an assumption that every Christian would believe that the Bible was the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Right. And now that's up for debate in some Christian communities. Right. So now I actually have to teach people, no, the Bible can be trusted. The Bible is the Word of God. 
Uh, the Bible does withstand scrutiny. The Bible is trustworthy. The Bible is the filter for our life. The Bible is an authority that we can build our lives on. Right. And the Bible does back itself up, and, and, and God actually exalts his word above his name, and, and Jesus lived by what would later become the Bible and the bi- biblical principles, and Jesus affirmed the Old Testament as Bible, and you know, just, right. just stuff that was an assumption, yet for many modern Christians, they're legitimate questions. Is this a big thing? Yeah. Well, I think people have become so afraid of being religious that they throw out the Bible with it. Ooh. And that's terrifying to me. I was preaching this morning at Lyle and Allison Phillips Church at Legacy Nashville, some friends of ours who pastor a church here. And I was preaching and I was talking about how when Lyle and I had lunch together, Lyle was teaching me about tithing and what he said felt really religious to me. And I had this revelation when I was preaching that sometimes what feels religious to us is conviction. And the reason it feels religious to us is because it's probably been a long time since we allowed ourselves to be convicted. So it feels foreign. I know. Yeah, I got that. I got that. So good. I got that reaction. So good. One of my favorite verses about the Bible, which gives me confidence about the Bible, is 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and equipping for every good work. So it's basically what you were saying. If you are not reading the Bible, you're missing out on being taught, being corrected, being trained, being equipped, and being rebuked. So as you say, you could be wandering around blown around by every new wind of teaching, not realizing it's not scriptural, but if we have a foundation of the Word of God, we basically have a filter for our life for things to go through. Right. And we're not easily swayed. We have confidence when it is and when it's not God. Right. One of the things that I used to love in Toronto is, you know, um, John would tell us, hey, even when we have guest speakers in, doesn't matter how big their name is or whatever, like... You need to know, is this biblical? What are they saying? Is it biblical? Like, take it and filter it and process it. And don't just assume because somebody with a microphone or platform said that it's true, that it is true. Find it in the word. And I thought for me, that was like, okay, I will. You know, and there's safety in that. I think part of the attraction with this neo-orthodoxy, this new delight that well-meaning Christians, maybe earnest Christians, maybe immature Christians, maybe Christians who've been hurt, maybe Christians who are frustrated, find delight in finding something quote-unquote new, is it strokes our human intellect, it strokes our pride, like, aha, I am the person that has found the flaw in scriptures. But the truth is, you know, all the modern-day conspiracies or heresies is better about about doctrine, none of it's new. It's, It's all been answered before in you know in in the bible of course but it's all things that have just been going on like gnostic heresies and all this sort of stuff that was found in the early church um you posted this earlier uh, this week on instagram second timothy 4 verse 3 yep where it says for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Again, like that's literally happening today. And it has been happening for, you know, since the early church, this has been happening. Absolutely. But the, now it feels really popular. Well, the way to protect yourself from that is to actually have a value for the word of God. Okay. So, babe, talk to me about the whole thing of the infallible word of God. It's kind of hard for me to do that in that it was, of course, something I was raised to believe like my mother and father 
you know, brought me up to read the Bible, believe the Bible. And, you know, part of the hurdle that we face is reading the Bible tends to be quite easy, but understanding it is a lot harder because it's an ancient book not written to a modern audience, and yet it still has life and value for us. Yeah, I remember R.T. Kendall saying that there's two ways of believing that the Bible is true. There's the objective witness, as in external uh, evidence, for example, like archaeological findings, uh, historical documentation, the testimony of other people whose lives have been changed by uh, the Bible. But all of that external evidence isn't going to convince somebody who's highly skeptical. You know, the the Bible itself claims to its own authoritative um, nature, but you end up with circular reasoning. So if you don't believe the Bible, you wouldn't believe its claims that it is the Word of God. Right. You see what I mean? So he said, really, and this helped me, is that it, it comes by the internal witness, as in when you live the Word of God, you find out that it is true. Like, it's true whether you believe it or not, Yeah. but as you live by its principles, as you read the Bible, you find the Bible reads you, and the more you give yourself to it, and the more you stand under its authority, the more you begin to understand the life and the power that's in it. Yeah. I heard somebody far cleverer than me say this. They said, everything in the Bible is literally true, but not everything is true literally. Okay, explain that. Well, by that they mean... Yeah, the Bible is true. It does need you to be able to understand how to read it, interpret it, and apply it. Yes. But it's not true literally, as in when Jesus said, I am the vine, it doesn't mean that Jesus has, you know, green leaves. He's not Groot, for example. When <laughs> when Jesus said, I am the door, he doesn't have a keyhole for eyes and a doorknob right, for nose. Right, right. You've got to understand when it's literal, when it's a story, when it's poetic, when the author's using exaggeration, when it's narrative, when it's dialogue. There's all these beautiful facets of literature in there that it, it would help if you have some understanding about how the Bible is written and how to read it. So that's a good point, babe. What would you say to uh, someone who wants to learn how to read the Bible. We'll give you some resources in a second, but I think a a couple of grounding principles, it it would be helpful to understand that while the Bible was written for us, it wasn't written directly to us. As in, before it was ours, it was the original audiences. Right. So if you're not aware of that, we'll often run into cultural problems or language issues or the fact that God was speaking to a different race, sometimes under a different covenant in a completely different time. And if we're not careful, we won't realize that there are barriers to our understanding and we'll try and get over that barrier in sometimes not really helpful ways. For example, one of the most one of the most common things I see, and one of the things I've done before, is you have people who read the Bible for feel good measures. So they'll they'll read the bits that make them feel good, right? And they'll skip the bits that don't, right? I don't like those books, <laughs> right? Or they'll they'll spiritualize the parts they don't understand, right? And uh, over spiritualize the parts, yeah, or 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 you know just automatically demonize things. As I remember R. T. Kendall saying, most theology today is actually anthropology. Instead of it being the study of God, it's the study of man. And there's a danger that if we're not <laughs> careful, we make God in our image. Wow. So you know, I hear people all the time justify completely weird theology by saying, well, you know, because I think like this, well, duh, God must think like that. Right. And you're like, that's That's not not how it works. (laughs) Isaiah 55 says the complete opposite. So you've got to have a good, consistent method for reading and understanding the Bible. And uh, 
that will ensure that you're not trying to create meaning out of a text. Instead, you're trying to find the meaning that is already there. You're using these tools almost like in an archaeological dig to unearth what's already in the text uh, to help you understand what you, the way you need to live today. Right. I was thinking about this. I was raised in a church environment where we, our Bible study, we, we taught through the Bible systematically. Today, you and I tend to teach through the Bible thematically. So we might teach a series on finances. And so instead of, uh, you know, just picking a book like Titus and teaching it from the, you know, the beginning to the end, although we do do that too. Yes. I would say largely, I'm just correcting myself. I'd say most <laughs> of the time we teach thematically, but we do also teach uh, consistently through, you know, verse by verse through a text. Yes. If you're only ever exposed to teaching that's thematic, you're going to miss large portions of the scripture that have nothing to say about the themes your pastors taught you. Right, but have great things to say about the other themes that perhaps we're trying to avoid. Right, but I want to encourage you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, not feed my giraffes. There's this temptation that we think we need to be intellectually haughty in order to understand scriptures, and that's just not the case. The Spirit of God who wrote the Bible lives within us and can interpret the Bible. Right. If we'd give ourselves to the study. I don't understand the giraffe reference. Sheep are lowly creatures that are close to the ground. Their yes. heads are low. Giraffes are on a tall neck, so they're oh, intellectually and lofty. lofty. Got you. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Thank Sorry, you. That I threw me for a second. <laughs> All right, give us some tips then. If you know our listeners are listening to this and thinking, I've tried reading the Bible, but I get nowhere. I get super confused. What what can we leave them with in terms of practical steps to help people be encouraged to read the Word of God? All right, tip number one. I think get a modern translation, like, uh, you know, NLT, the message, like get a modern translation that you can read through. And typically I read those through uh, next to a different translation. Like I sort of go back and forth. You have the biggest Bible I've ever seen. I love my Bible. It's a parallel Bible and it parallels the NASB with the message and they're, they're on the same page verse for verse. So, so pick a page, the page is split down the middle, on the left is the NASB, and on the right is the message. Yeah, and it's so great, because if for some reason I'm reading you know, part of, part of it in the NASB, and I'm like, what on earth is this talking about? I can read it in the message and go, oh, and then I go back to the NSB, NASB, and I'm able to sort of go, oh, okay, now I see... You know, so I love the going back and forth. It suits yeah. my personality. I, I grew up reading the NIV, so it was hard for me to read the message. I mean, I, I do appreciate the message now, but it was hard because all the passages I'd memorized, I couldn't recognize in the message. But right. if you're somebody that's like, ah, I honestly am embarrassed. I feel like biblically illiterate. I don't even know where to start. Get a fresh, modern version of the Bible. Just, you know, go to your Bible store, ask for an easy to read version of the Bible. I love reading the New Living Translation. It's it's the it's the version of the Bible that I read for pleasure. I study a lot of different versions, but my go-to, I'm going to sit down and read the Bible, is the New Living Translation. But yes, point number one, get a modern translation. What about point number two? Point number two, get a reading plan. Like if you're starting off, let somebody else give you a plan for how to do it. So you don't get lost. Right. Right. Because yeah. we're like, I'm going to start at the beginning. That's great. But, you know, give it a couple of weeks and you're going to be waiting through Leviticus going, <laughs> no, this is too tough. You know, if you get through that, you're going to be in Chronicles and you're like, what am I doing? One of my favorite reading plans was reading through the Bible chronologically. Yes, that's really fun. You know, if you don't know this, the books of the Bible are not 
ordered chronologically. Yeah. So if you find a but you know, get any sort of reading plan and don't feel like you're you're compelled to read it in a year. Just pick a reading plan and, and start reading it through. Um, there's a variety of them out there. There's a bunch of good uh, uh, apps that will lead you through it. version has a variety of reading plans. I'll, I'll give you a reading plan I like in a second. But get a reading plan to help you read through the scripture. Yeah, when I first got saved, um, the person at that uh, youth event uh, said to me, just start in the Gospels. Read the New Testament yeah. first and get that sort of under your belt and then go back to the Old Testament. And actually, that was super helpful for me because I think if I had just dived in at Genesis, uh, I would have probably got weighed down in Leviticus and stopped. You I, know, but, but the New Testament was so much easier, a place to start, basically. Right. One of the, the plans I really liked was you'd read a bit of the New Testament, you'd read a psalm, and you'd read a bit of the Old Testament. Right. We did that one a couple of years ago, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, and it would take you through. I, I really liked that. Number three. Are you Go ready? On. Yeah, please tell me. So invite the Holy Spirit to read it with you. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is um, I remember uh, John saying that, like, hey, when you sit down to read the Word, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you about things. And so I was like, okay. And so I would read passages, I mean, particularly in the Old Testament and stuff like that, where I'd be like, I don't understand this at all. And the brilliant thing is the Holy Spirit is with you. So you can say, Holy Spirit, can you tell me what's happening here? Right. You know, can you give me the background and whatever? And so there were so many times where I would, the Holy Spirit would be like, well, this is the dynamic that's going on, or this was the culture, or this was whatever. And it was all things I knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. But then I could go and look those things up. And I was like, wow, that was right. I mean, of course, the Holy Spirit knows what was happening. But it to me, it was super encouraging because I was like, I have the author with me mm -hmm. while I read and I can ask questions. And my encouragement to our students is, don't gloss over the bits you don't understand. Those bits are burning bushes that invite you into deeper revelation. Right. So you're reading a passage and you're like, I don't understand why God would ask people to do this, or I don't understand what's going on, or this does not feel like a, you know, a loving thing to do. I'm confused as to what's going on. Allow those things to trouble you because the trouble will lead you to answers that satisfy. Yeah. Way too many people just, you know, either gloss over it disconnect. I'm saying stay engaged. Ask the Holy Spirit. Like you said, he's the author. He, he knows what's going on. Yeah. I was saying the same or a similar thing anyway to year one. I was saying, hey, when you read the word and you encounter places where it kind of gets under your skin and you're like, I think there's something more to this, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's kind of under my skin. Don't let that go because I think it's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to a revelation that probably changes things for you. Right. Point number four, I would encourage you to get a Bible study guide. Now, I'm not talking about anything fancy. You don't need to go buy a commentary on every book in the Bible. If, if you're buying a Bible, I'd encourage you to buy a study Bible. What a study Bible is, it's just a regular Bible, but usually somebody from the translation committee sits down, and every time you start a new chapter, they might write a page about the book, like who right. wrote the book, when it happened, what were some of the major events that were happening, why is it important today, and then as you read through it, there's usually, it's a bit like watching a movie with the director's commentary on. Right. There, you know, as you're reading a passage, there might be some little footnotes here and there explain some of the more trickier passages, or 
explain the context or help you understand. It's incredibly accessible. There's I, I use Bible software, and so I have the ESV study Bible, even though I, I don't really read the ESV translation. It works with any translation I'm using. I've got the NIV contextual uh, I'd have to. I'll put a link in the show notes to what it's properly called, but it explains the cultural context of the day. All these little things help you uh, understand and and give insight. It's like having a, a friendly Bible professor in the pages of your Bible that's going to ask the question that you're probably thinking about as you're reading the passage. Hugely, hugely helpful. It makes a world of difference and helps you understand what you might not know because. Uh, you weren't alive in the Babylonian period, so you don't understand the significance of what's written there. Right. And I want to encourage you, you shouldn't. One of the things we try and encourage our students all the time is it's not your fault you have not been gifted with a complete understanding of world history and biblical narrative. No Christian should feel bad they don't know that. Right. But also it's easily accessible with, you know, a lighthearted book to accompany your, your journey through Scripture. And point number five, baby, what would you say? Definitely watch the Bible Project videos. So oh, yeah, oh, so good. Can't emphasize enough how how good those videos are. The BibleProject.com uh, has all of these videos. They're free to watch, and they've done all the books of the Bible, and they give you the uh, historical context. They give you some literary context. Like they they explain the story, and it's almost like. Uh, Reading the Cliff's Notes, just, I don't know if they have Cliff's Notes here. That's what we had them in Canada. But like right. it's like reading the Cliff's Notes of what it is that you're about to read. But it gives you so much uh, background stuff that it makes it come alive. Mm. I, I love their videos. They're, and they're excellently produced, brilliantly animated, brilliantly narrated. They're, it's just an excellent ministry, the Bible Project. Uh, you find them on YouTube. You can find them on the web. Really, really good. Um, uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend watching each book overview before starting that book in your plan. Yeah. And they have an app too, don't they? Well, conveniently, they, I don't know if they have an app. There's an app called the Read Scripture app that um, uses links to all of those uh, videos that we're talking about. So basically, all all five things that we just gave you are kind of available in this Read Scripture app. It's a reading plan. It's the ESV translation. It uh, takes you through the whole Bible. There's videos along the way that explain what's going on. And, you know, in 20 minutes a day, you can be reading the whole Bible. And so, again, we'll put a link to all these resources in our show notes. And if you want our show notes, you go to alanandaj.com slash 201. And in case you don't know, if you're new, my name is spelled A-L-Y-N. And mine is just spelled A-J. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) If there's books that you would like for further study, if you're thinking, oh, I love this, I I would love, you know, more information on this, there's a couple of books that we could recommend. There's a brilliant book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. And there's another book called Read the Bible for a Change by Ray Lubeck. Both have got amazing titles, both really helpful books. At SOSL, we use a book called Grasping God's Word, which is really helpful, but it's a massive book. The the other two books are small paperback books, easy to pick up. Uh, The other one's a bit of a tome. But again, links for those books are going to be in the show notes. At the end of the day, I want to encourage you that the Bible is way more accessible than you think, that 
if you're not reading the Bible, I want to encourage you that the Bible is the filter through which everything else in the Christian life goes through. All revelation, all instruction, all doctrine, everything. If you can't see in the Bible, I'd be very suspicious about it. And it is easy to have a good working grasp of the scriptures. It's something that you can easily read. There's so many resources, so many excellent podcasts. The Bible Project guys have a wonderful podcast too. I'd encourage you to do that. And if you... um. If you have any questions about the Bible, about reading the Bible, reach out to us on Twitter, and we'd love to uh, start a dialogue with you about reading the Bible. Babe, it's been two months. We must have a listener's question by now. We have a backlog of listener's questions. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's great. I found this brilliant question that's kind of related to what we're talking about. This is from Corinne, and she asks, this is a great question. She says, I've been hearing a lot from the secular community about the law of attraction. They often quote Bible verses like, asking you shall receive, and they say if we believe and focus our thoughts on what we want, we'll get it. This seems congruent with the Bible because we're told to believe and not doubt and Jesus will answer our prayer. However, I've also heard many Christians warning that following this law leads to desiring things of the flesh and even some saying that demons are the ones using this law, especially since its connection to New Age beliefs. Is this law and the things its followers teach really dangerous, or does it point to some true principles that Christians can use to achieve their goals in a godly way? How should Christians view this law in light of Jesus? AJ. Up until this point, I've never heard of the law of attraction. (laughs) Neither had I, but I'd heard of Google, so I did a quick Google search and found the lawofattraction.com website, where I read such gems as, and I quote, Hundreds of years ago, the law of attraction was first thought to have been taught to man by the immortal Buddha. And, again quoting, the law of attraction uses the power of the mind to translate whatever is in our thoughts and materialize them into reality. In basic terms, all thoughts turn into things eventually. If you focus on negative doom and gloom, you'll remain under that cloud. If you focus on positive thoughts and have goals that you aim to achieve, you will find a way to achieve them with massive action. So right off the bat, and and I understand I'm being slightly flippant and I haven't done extensive research in this, but this was the the first site that I, I kicked around on. You can see there's there's some non-Christian and decidedly new age overtones to the teaching. And I I know, Corinne, that you mentioned that some people, you know, have been quoting Bible verses with that. And you will probably find that a lot of New Age teaching, a lot of secular teaching will overlap with teaching in Scripture. But it doesn't mean their interpretation of the thing is strictly biblical. So, for example, we believe in the law of sowing and reaping. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Paul teaches that principle really, really clearly. The Bible is filled with illustrations of that. Other people would call that karma. What goes around comes around. There's, you know, if we look at two Venn diagrams, there's a huge overlap between what the Bible teaches and what the world recognizes as karma. But does the Bible teach karma? No, no, it, it, it teaches something completely different. But again, you see overlaps. And I think that's what's going on here, that uh, although they're quoting Scripture, again, they're probably quoting Scripture out of context and taking it to a degree that Jesus probably didn't have in mind when he was saying. So, for example, you quoted, and I understand, Corin, this is not you quoting, you're just telling me what other people have been saying, like, ask and you shall receive. So, again, if you look at the context, and I remember my dad teaching me this as a little boy, he would say, Ellen... If you take the text out of context, 
you're left with con. And I so I'd always be suspicious. He, he taught me that. I'm always suspicious when I hear people take a verse out of context and then declare this is what the text means. And we've got to be careful of doing that. Like Sometimes you can do that, but more often than not, it's really helpful to understand not only the context that the verse is in, but the context of the passage or the letter or the author or the rest of the teaching. <laughs> However, I digress. Right. Yes. Matthew 21, Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So here, the context is Jesus is teaching his disciples about faith. And right there, we've got a difference. Faith in God to perform his will is very different from the teachings of the law of attraction, which is, you know, if you want it, you just have to believe hard enough and you'll get it. I mean, we've we've bypassed God and his kingdom in that principle. Another one that I found when looking up the law of attraction is uh, Mark 9.23, where anything is possible if you believe. And again, proponents, it would seem, of uh, the law of attraction would say, see, it's in the Bible. You just have to believe hard enough it could be yours. But again, a closer inspection of that verse, you've got Jesus doing deliverance on a little boy with a deaf and dumb spirit. And his father, the little boy's father's in distress. The disciples couldn't cast out the demon. It's kind of chaos. And Jesus is using this point to help the father understand the power of faith. So, so a completely different context. Right. Basically, what you end up with is this, this pseudo-sounding biblical teaching, like many other secular or New Age teaching, is basically trying to get us to achieve happiness and wealth without needing Jesus. Generally speaking, I'd encourage you to be very wary of teachings that have overlap with biblical teachings but are not founded on scriptural principles. Or, better put, anything that tries to replace Jesus, even if it works, right? When we talk about the Antichrist, we tend to think about a man with 666 written on his forehead and, you know, maybe big horns and he's really good looking and he's going to, you know, take over the world. But Antichrist, in, in, in original understanding, would be anything that would replace Jesus. So whenever you hear teaching that doesn't require an active relationship with Jesus, be deeply suspicious that it's biblical. What do you think, A.G. Jones? Yeah, I think, well, obviously knowing the Word of God actually helps us to have a filter for everything else. Right. Right. So, like in Ephesians 4, verse 14, it says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about in every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So... We we actually are aiming at being mature, aren't we? And right. and part of maturity is as we spend time in the word, we grow mature in our faith and we're more easily able to identify things that are just not quite right. It's that again, this whole I remember this from my childhood. I remember I remember uh my parents tell me the story of a counterfeit expert who worked in a bank and they could easily spot counterfeits not because there were experts identifying counterfeits. They were so familiar with the genuine thing that whenever they felt counterfeit notes, they instantly knew it wasn't a real thing. That's awesome. And I, I and I, I would I would say the same thing. There's just so many people that I meet who are blown around by every wind of new doctrine because it it's trying to achieve things that the Bible teaches 
the Lord wants to give us without having to submit to God to his kingdom or die to self. Right. Right. If, <laughs> if there's a shortcut that avoids sacrifice, it's probably not biblical teaching. So, Corinne, I want to make sure that in answering that question, we haven't made it sound like, well, you know what, Corinne, if you'd actually read the Bible, you'd know this, because clearly you knew enough to be able to be suspicious and, and question this. So p- please don't hear that in our voice. I'm glad that you wrote in and you asked that question. And again, I apologize. I haven't done extensive research on this, but just at my first cursory glance, yeah, I'd probably give it a wide berth. And understand that there is a biblical principle at work. For example, in Proverbs 15, verse 15, it says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And of course, Scripture does talk about us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and, and, you know, whatever is lovely and true and noble, think about those things. And so, of course, the Bible teaches a huge amount about what we focus on and what we believe on. But again, anything that's trying to bypass an active relationship with Jesus in submission to him and his teaching ain't going to be healthy. So, you know, temper everything that you hear <laughs> through scripture and you're going to be in a great place. All right. In wrapping up, thank you to everyone who filled out our podcast survey. We loved all the information that you gave us and we wanted to congratulate Rebecca from Florida. Yay, Rebecca, you're our winner picked at random. Woohoo! So you have already uh, received some sort of notification via email. Woohoo! Via email. So there you go. Uh, of your gift. And again, thanks for everyone who participated. It's really helpful. This episode of Keeping Up with the Joneses is brought to you by our stunningly good-looking and incredibly anointed patrons who give each month making these episodes a reality. If you'd like to become a patron and support the show, head over to patreon.com slash Alan and AJ for all the details. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as at Alan, that's A-L-Y-N, and at underscore AJ Jones. And our show is also available on Twitter and Instagram at Alan and AJ. Until next week, have a great week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God. And everything under the sun. If you are a human being There's something here for everyone